Do you have trouble believing that God loves you? That He really loves you? That He forgives your sins no matter what? Hi, I'm Yvonne Pran, and welcome to Bible 805. Many of us have problems believing that God really loves us, but as we'll see with the prophet Hosea that we're studying today, God does love us in incredible, extraordinary ways. Let's take a few minutes to review where we are before we start in on the book of Hosea. In our previous lesson, we saw that God sent Amos to preach and to condemn the sins of Israel. His messages were very forceful. They were very harsh. He didn't preach for a long time, but at about the same time, but in a very different way, he also sent the prophet Hosea to Israel, and he preached for a very long time. He started a little bit later, but he continued to preach until three years before the nation fell. Now, just as a reminder on the historic and geographic setting, we're talking about the divided kingdom of Israel with the kingdom of Israel on the north and Judah in the south. Jonah and Amos prophesied fairly early during Jeroboam II's reign, and Jeroboam was actually king for 40 years. The country had great prosperity during that time. And because of that prosperity, many people became complacent and they abused the poor and they did all sorts of things that the prophet Amos talked about. Well, as I said, a little bit after him, Hosea comes along and he preaches for a very long time until just before the captivity. Now, after Jeroboam, there were five more kings and the time of prosperity and peace came to an end. There's tremendous turmoil and war and constant turnover until the nation goes goes into captivity. Now, first of all, I'm going to give you an overview of the book of Hosea, and then we will talk about it in a little more detail. The story of Hosea is that God told him to marry a woman who would be unfaithful to him, and he obeyed God. He did what God asked him to do. After they were married, they had children, then she ran away. He went after her. He brought her back home. She runs away again. She slips so far and falls so far now that whoever she had gone to decides to sell her as a slave. And God says to Hosea, go and buy her out of the slave market and love her again. And Hosea obeys him. And this extraordinary story of love and redemption and forgiveness, God is using this because he's, he's saying throughout the entire book, Israel, Israel, this is how I love you. No matter what you've done, no matter how far you've fallen, no matter how far you've strayed away from me, I want you back. Come back to me. It's love, and yet judgment's going to fall because sadly, we know that they won't return. But Let's jump into the book of Hosea now and look at it in a little bit more detail. It's, it's really ex an extraordinary book. We don't really know his background. He was possibly a priest, but he did preach for a very long time. Actually, the book covers over 50 years, and unless you look at the timelines, you wouldn't realize that, But because it's, it's not a, a terribly long book. But he preached during that whole time, and it follows his life during that time. God told him what to do, and he told him what would happen. In Hosea 2.2, it says, The Lord began to speak through Hosea, and the Lord said to him, Go, 
marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her, for like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Dibliam, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. In that day I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. And it goes on. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. The Lord said to Hosea, Call her Lorumah, which means not loved. For I will no longer show love to Israel, that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judah, and I will save them, not by bow or sword or battle or by horsemen, but I, the Lord their God, will save them. And we'll get to that great story when we get to Isaiah and what God did during the reign of, of Hezekiah, but we'll talk about that later. Um, excuse me, continuing on with the biblical passage. After she had weaned Lorumah, Gomer had another son. Then the Lord said, Call him Loami, which means not my people. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. But, even as he begins, mercy is promised. Yet the Israelites, he says in the future, will be like sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, they will be called the children of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together. They will appoint one leader, and will come out of the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. Now, let's. we're going to approach this in a few different ways. We're going to look at mostly the lessons in this and then how it applies because that's pretty much the story. But the lessons that we learn from this is that God is holy and he's just. Israel had abandoned him religiously, and we talked about in Amos how they had a form of religion where they sacrificed and they had festivals and all sorts of religious practices, but yet at the same time they were not living as God's people. They abused the poor and the aliens, and God was judging them for that. Not only that, but they forbid the priests and the prophets to speak. Hosea talks about the result of this in Hosea 4, 6, and 7, where he says, My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you as my priests. The more priests there were, the more they sinned against me. They exchanged their glorious God for something disgraceful. They feed on the sins of my people. And basically what he's saying here is the priests that were appointed were not Levites. They were not from the tribe that they should have been. They did not teach people God's word. They did not offer proper sacrifices, which they couldn't, because the only place they could do that was in Jerusalem, and they made up their own religion. And and sadly, we see that in so many instances today where perhaps people say that they're teaching people about God, but they don't really. It's, again, you know, sort of feel-good sermons and prosperity gospel and all these kind of things. That really isn't the word of God from this religious failure becomes moral failure. And what you need to remember, and Hosea is very strong about this, God had made a covenant with Israel. Israel had promised at Sinai when they came out of Egypt that they were going to serve God. And they had broken that covenant. Part of the covenant also, remember, was God said that if you don't obey me, if you follow other gods, these are the punishments that will happen 
happen. Just as God's promises were true, so would be the punishment. And the way that he puts it in Hosea 7.1, he says, Because the people have broken my covenant and rebelled against my law, they sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. And yet, of course, God always offers mercy and judgment. Because that's how our God is. No matter how much we sin, there's always the opportunity for mercy. And the book of Hosea goes back and forth talking about those things all the way through the book. Early on in Hosea 2.16, God says, In that day you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of the Baals from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. I will show my love to the one called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people, and they will say, you are my God. And this wonderful idea that God does not want a master-slave relationship with us. He oftentimes, in the Old Testament, talks about how he is the husband of Israel, and that she, by going after other gods, has treated him like an unfaithful spouse. And the whole book of, of Hosea illustrates this, but he says, you know, I, I want you, I want to be your husband. I want to love you. I want to betroth you to me forever. And it's it's really neat, I think. It, it reminded me of Jesus in the New Testament, where he said to his disciples, he says, I don't call you servants. A servant doesn't know his master's business. I've called you friends, because everything I learned from my father, I've made known to you. And that is so extraordinary to me to think that our God who created everything, who created us, who created our world, who, who's in charge of everything, that he wants to call us friend. And in the Old Testament, he said, in more than friend, I want to be as intimate and as loving with you as a spouse. And then the Apostle Paul picks up on this idea when he talks about God's love and mercy to the Gentiles. And he says, What if God, though choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? What if he did this? To make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory, even us, whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles, as he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people, and I will call her my loved one who is not my loved one. And in every place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called the children of the living God. And so you see this idea of God's extraordinary expansive love and forgiveness and mercy is extended to everyone. But let's go back to Hosea before we, we get distracted anymore. Hosea had a very long, difficult time to preach. Like I said, around 50 years, more or less. He did not have a happy home life. Now, we don't know why God caused him to have to go through all of that. He has his, had his reasons then. He has his reasons now. And one of the things that as we study the Bible, we see that God often uses people 
as object lessons. Job, for example, never knew that he was being used as a lesson to teach the hosts of heaven that someone could trust God no matter what happened to them. And you'll see in some of the other prophets, God asks them to do sometimes kind of bizarre things, but he's doing that to use that person as a lesson. It was kind of interesting. I was actually preparing for another study that I'm going to be teaching this week, and one of the commentators that I read said, God has no voice but that of humans. He says, if God wants to speak today, he has to use a human. If he wants to illustrate something, he has to use a human being. And I thought that was really interesting because that's how he used Hosea. And this same idea is in 2 Corinthians 1, 3-11, where it says, where the Apostle Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. You see, whenever we are suffering something, we need to realize that we are not suffering alone. People are watching us. People are seeing how we react. And we're called to be like Hosea in these trials. In 1 Peter 4.12, it expands this idea. It says, Beloved, think it not strange when you are tried by fire, and then, which means, which is something which is done to prove you, as though some strange thing happened to you. And then in the message, it translates, translates it this way. It says, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you're in the very thick of what Christ experienced. It is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. Life will often be unjustly hard. I love that translation of the verse where don't jump to conclusion. It's a refining. Glory is just around the corner. I remember a famous Christian saying, and I don't remember who it was, but the statement is still quite good, where, and I, I, oh, I think it was Elizabeth Elliot, where she said, um, and forgive me if I'm wrong on this, but she said, after this life is over and we're with the Lord, all of the trials of this life will seem like one night spent in a bad hotel. And I just love that because that is so true. So when things are difficult, what's our response? Uh, What will we reflect? Will we reflect trust in God or will we reflect anger and resentment? Part of the job description of being a representative of our Lord is like that verse in the message said that this is just going to happen. Life will often be unjustly hard, but it's a spiritual refining. We don't know what the end of the story was for Hosea and his wife. After telling the story of their relationship, the rest of the book is just a collection of sermons preached over, again, over a very long time. We don't really know a lot about exactly the order or whatever. That's one of the things that can be kind of confusing in the Old Testament. But there are still a lot of really important things that he has to say. And I'm just going to read you some of the excerpts from the sermons. First of all, he emphasizes a number of times how God loved Israel. 
And in this passage, I, well, let me just read it to you. Uh, this is in Hosea 11, 1 through 3, where it says, When Israel was a child, I loved him. Out of Egypt I called my son. But the more I, they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals and burned incense to the images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. And here he's saying, he rescued them, he saved them and they didn't realize who did it and how like that is for us today where so often we think we did it all we we accomplished this we made certain things happen and God says no 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 I gave this to you please recognize that and then in Hosea 12:6, he reminds them of justice again just like in Amos because he says but you must return to your God maintain love and justice and wait for your God always and then too as I said earlier this was a time of great wealth and prosperity in Israel and we we often see that as a sign of God's blessing but it, it, it and it can be but we can't take it for granted because God sometimes uses it to test us. Let me read another passage that deals with this. This is in Hosea thirteen four through 9 where he says, But I've been the Lord your God ever since you came out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me, no Savior but me. I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of the burning heat. When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud and they forgot me. You see, a lot of times the most dangerous situation in our spiritual life can be when we're feeling comfortable and complacent and wealthy and that we don't need anything. And so God's response, it's its kind of like, well, if you're not going to acknowledge me and you don't love me, then he says, so I will be like a lion to them. Like a leopard, I will lurk by the path. Like a bear robbed of her cubs, I will attack them and rip them open. Like a lion, I will devour them. A wild animal will tear them apart. You are destroyed, Israel, because you are against me, your helper. If we turn against God, he can't let us continue to do that. He has to discipline us. And then in um, Hosea 14, it says, Your sins have been your downfall. But as always, the book ends with tremendous hope. That is, once again, how all of the prophetic books end. In Hosea 14, 3-9, it says, Never again will we say our gods to what our hands have made. For in you the fatherless find compassion. I will heal their waywardness and love them freely, for my anger has turned from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily, like a cedar of Lebanon. He will send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. His fragrance like the cedar of Lebanon. Like a flourishing juniper, your fruitfulness comes from me. Who is wise? Let him realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. And the book ends.
Jesus told us that in this world you will have tribulations, but he also said that I've overcome the world. There will always be troubles, and sometimes they're not a result of sin. The nation of Israel had troubles because they sinned. Hosea didn't. He was obviously a good man, a godly man, a man who obeyed God, even the most difficult of situations, and he had a very, very hard life. But his life was used as a lesson to bless people throughout the ages and throughout eternity. Even in the midst of hard times like that, though, God always has his people. He had Hosea there in Israel. There will always be people who will worship when they can, serve when they're able, do whatever they need to do to fulfill the will of God, to trust him no matter what, because they know that someday all wrongs will be righted and all faithfulness will be rewarded. And no matter what the personal cost or circumstances, we must live trusting Jesus and sharing his message. Now there's one last thing. It's a little thing, but yet it's it's kind of neat. Um, names were of great importance in the Bible. God specifically told people what to name people. He changed names in prophecy. He names people ahead of time. And it's interesting to look at the name Hosea. Hosea, and I got this from this really kind of neat Jewish website that was explaining the meaning of different names according to the Hebrew, and they were very strict about this because they said most people are really sloppy. But anyway, Hosea is actually an imperative, which means God save, God bring salvation. And a name that is very, very similar to it, some people say it's actually the same thing, but it's a little bit different is, of course, the name Jesus or Yeshua. Hosea, the book illustrated the need for salvation, and in the New Testament, the answer comes in our Hosea, our Yeshua, our Jesus, who saves us and loves us no matter what. That's all for now. Please check out the notes from this lesson. They're in downloadable PDF format on www.bible805.com. And do subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any in this series of Kings and Prophets. And let your friends know about it also so that uh, you can't save them that they're being destroyed for lack of knowledge. Until next time, I'm Yvonne Pran, your fellow pilgrim, writer, and teacher for Jesus. And I'd like to close with this benediction. May you know the invitation of God to move from confusion to clarity, from wandering to rest, from loneliness to knowing you are loved, from turmoil to peace, from wherever you are in your spiritual journey, to a growing knowledge of God's Word, and in your personal relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.